2: Thanks for spending time. Great to be in on Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, is in. His sleeves are rolled up. He's ready to go. So are we. Lots of college football to get into. The SEC has made their declaration following the ACC's lead, following the Big Ten's lead when it comes to conference-only games. Some thoughts on that. We will... Dive into the Big Ten preview as we await the schedule that should be or could be tomorrow or this weekend per Tom Deanhart and uh, some other folks uh, in the media on Twitter. You're uh, welcome to join us today on Hale Varsity Radio. Phone lines are open for you, 466-3776, 466-3776, 825 Five eight six five. Follow us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Damon Barr at Damon Barr, that's two R's, at HaleVarsity at ESPN. Lincoln can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So coming up here, a long sit down with our friends from Pick 6 Previews. Uh, I've long appreciated Brett's work with Pick 6. He does a nice job of just going all in. And he goes all in on nebraska it's a it's a fantastic mix of of statistics and then just kind of looking back with some data uh so brett sianza will be with us at 425 our conversation with him gary barnett get his reaction to the acc the sec and just uh through the eyes of a coach as we uh, lead up here to college football, potentially excited to chat with Brandon Vogel from Hale. Mar City Vogels will be with us at 525. Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago. Get Vegas' thoughts here on, well, Bama. I want to know how Alabama is going to navigate their schedule. Well, Bama does what Bama does. I get that, but <laughs> their two crossovers are Georgia and Florida. That's awesome. That's usually, you got to wait to the SEC championship game to get Georgia or Florida against Alabama. So we'll talk with Danny Burke, and you have the numbers to get in. So let's uh, talk schedule here. And the SEC is going to go to a 10-game conference-only schedule that uh, will kick off here September 26th. So here is the rundown. Big 12 is going to get rolling August 29th. Big 10, we think, will happen September 5th. The ACC will happen the 7th of September, the Pac-12. Nothing before the 17th of September. And the SEC is going to wait till the end of September, September 26th. They are doing that uh, because they're going to try and win the war versus a battle meaning they are not going to have or keep their non-conference marquee matchups. They also are not going to, as we know and talk today, have the ACC-SEC in-state rivalry games, which sucks. I mean, that that's too bad, especially when they're in-state. But with the ACC jumping out like they did yesterday to go 10-game only, that left it to the SEC to go, okay, are we really going to try and play 12 and add a couple more games to our eight-game league schedule and still do Florida State versus Florida? Are we still going to try and do Kentucky-Louisville? Are we still going to try and do – where am I? I'm, I'm, I'm missing out. I'm missing some obvious ones. But you get my point. I mean, some of those big-time non-conference games that are South Carolina-Clemson, those are those are Georgia-Georgia Tech. Those are all games that fans in the state, man, it's bragging rights. But if you're the SEC and you still want a team, be it LSU or Alabama or a and or Georgia or Florida, to get to the potential college football playoff, you're going to beat the hell out of each other it happens anyway in the sec west it happens in the big 10 go back to what coach dinardo's been telling us it may not be the best division but damn it it might be the most balanced division for the big 10 west okay so you're not gonna give yourself any more room for error by saying all right clemson all right florida You've done a wonderful job navigating your schedule, your new schedule. Go win your rivalry game that's hard as hell to win <laughs> because it's, it's an in-state bragging right thing. I'm surprised more, more people haven't stubbed their toe at the end of the year, quite honestly, in those. Uh, whether you're Clemson or, or South Carolina, when you are winning well with Spurrier. Uh, Louisville uh, in Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's an up-and-coming program. Louisville's not far removed, and they look to be stabilizing a little bit. Uh, So we'll see just how it affects uh, an Alabama or it affects a Georgia or or, or a Florida squad. We'll get into some of the SEC and the ACC thoughts. I I, I like Clemson should be all right with their new schedule. Notre Dame's been pretty fortunate with their 10-game schedule because most of their games are at home. That's Florida State. That's Clemson. They do have to go to North Carolina. So that'll be all right. We'll dive into some Nebraska thoughts with Brett Sianza of Pick 6 Previews in about 10 minutes. So when it comes to the Big Ten, uh, it's going to be a 10-game conference schedule. We'll start on September 5th. That is what we think we know. So moving forward, if you already have a nine-game conference schedule, how are you going to pick that 10th game? How do you want to go about it? Is it as simple as everybody throwing a name into a hat? That sounds super simplistic, but it works out for fantasy drafts, doesn't it? Pick a number. Ah, oh, yeah, I'm drafting ninth. But in all seriousness, can you have a a a a Zoom meeting with the athletic directors? There's 13 other. Well, take the. Take the division games out of the hat and what you already have scheduled is Rutgers and Ohio State for Nebraska and Penn State. So there's, there's some other teams to choose from. Tom Deanhart suggested this. And you have, you have avoided some crossover matchups in the Big Ten when they realigned things. Pretty good suggestion. As as hot as Indiana is, Indiana hasn't played in Iowa City since 2014, and Indiana's a good ball club. That'd be a great matchup. Now Iowa's schedule's already kind of murder this year with the road games, but giving them Indiana in Iowa City'd be all right. If I'm Nebraska, man, I want I want payback against Indiana and their offense. And the bulletin board or whatever the heck that was. Maryland has never played Illinois. Ever. See if Lovey can get that beard growing. Sparty hasn't been to Purdue since 2014. That'd be kind of fun. Ohio State's not been to Minnesota since 2014. Old Jerry Kill's 2014 squad ended up winning in Lincoln. Nebraska had a, a good ball game uh max williamson i think was the the tight end he was their only receiver and he caught like three passes in the fourth quarter and minnesota won the game 28 2014 i remember it because i'm on the sideline at memorial stadium there's a sliver in like the the northeast quarter between the east side and the north end zone of gopher fans chanting jerry jerry i thought i was watching springer and Jerry Kill came into Lincoln and, and won, 28-24. Nebraska <laughs> blocked the kick that day. Nate Gary ran it back, and once he crossed the goal line, it's like he was finishing at the finish line and stretched out across the goal line. It looked all good, and then Minnesota got hot and won the thing. But back to the Gophers, they have not hosted Ohio State since 2014. They played as physical and as well as anybody against that 2014 national championship team against Ohio State, honestly. And it was in a blizzard. So, yeah, send the Buckeyes to to Fleckland. See if he can pull off Magic twice. He beat Penn State last year. Rutgers and Northwestern, they haven't hooked up since 1989. Penn State hasn't been to Wisconsin since 2013. Give me this. And maybe some of you are like, no, we're good. Nebraska hosts Michigan. If you had to pick, if you had to pick another opponent from the East to add to the schedule, who do you want? You want Sparty? Do you want Indiana? Damon's not thrilled about Indiana. Like, "Eh, I don't know. Do you want Michigan in Harbaugh? It'd be a McCaffrey reunion. And that's assuming you still get Rutgers. That's assuming you still get to go to Ohio State. That's assuming you still get to go to Penn State. Uh, Penn State comes here. They're going to prioritize division games. Thank you. So you kick off against Purdue, and then you move everything up. Maybe that's a road trip the, uh, the second week to Northwestern and then to Iowa City, and then to Wisconsin, and then you get Minnesota, and then you play the back half of your East Division teams. Because you were slated to get all those dudes in a row anyway. Because it started off at Ohio State. Then you get Penn State here, and then you're at Wisconsin, and then you're at Iowa, and then you host Minnesota. So really, you're going to move all those up, and I would sprinkle in the, the travel East, Rutgers to the end of the end of the season, I would I would sprinkle in the, the trip to Ohio State after you get the division games. So everyone's been able to win nine or 10 games at a better pace than 15 to 20 years ago, where you, maybe you only played 12. That included the conference championship game. So it'll really mean something, teams that end up 10-0. and 0. And, I, and I hope we get a, a college football playoff. But if you had to choose that 10th opponent for Nebraska, who would it be? Do you want a second shot at Iowa as a, as a call-your-shot rival? Do you want Michigan coming to town? Do you want Sparty? Do you want Indiana? Those aren't bad choices. Who's the most beatable for Nebraska right now? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know of how beatable Indiana is. They're not unbeatable. I mean, Nebraska could beat Indiana. Could have beat Indiana last year. Nebraska could beat Sparty based on where their program's at and year one of Mel Tucker. there would be a little nice payback to Mel, different color hat this year, but that that makes some sense. But I would love to see the Harbaugh-Frost matchup. And I know Nebraska's going into year three, and I know Nebraska's young on the defensive line, and I know Nebraska's uh, got a good offensive line this year. They're supposed to. Let's see a healthy Adrian Martinez against Michigan. Let's see a good offensive line against Michigan. And let's just see where they are. Ohio State's kind of in a different stratosphere. Penn State's been somewhat vulnerable only to Ohio State but they they dropped a the game last year that they usually don't drop and that was the game they lost to help me out here Minnesota, Minnesota. yeah they I mean they 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 had the ball five times inside the the 40 of of Gopherland and they had three turnovers they didn't score great win not knocking it for Minnesota but Penn State was unpenned state like. They they go win those games. So no, if I'm picking first and you'll call me crazy, you'll throw things, that's fine. But let me see where Nebraska's at versus Michigan. Because what? As we look at Nebraska right now, can they beat Wisconsin? Can they beat Iowa? Can they beat Minnesota? Maybe. Can they beat all three? Probably not this year. So they're probably looking at third or fourth in the in the West. If they really put it together, get some help, stay healthy, guys come in and play at a super high level, even though they're inexperienced, maybe they finish second, they could win the thing with the talent on paper if it all clicks. Not ruling that out at all. But you're probably looking somewhere second through four in the West. That's, that's kind of Michigan, right? I mean, they're, they're behind Penn State. They're behind Ohio State. And do they fend off Indiana? Some people are picking Indiana high. We'll get some thoughts from Brandon Vogel on this with just who he'd pick. How, do you, how would you do it, Damon? I would put the names in a hat. I'd let the moose draw a name and say, let's go. Or I'd call my shot. Just say, look, I'm calling you out. Let's play ball. Slip a coin where it's at. Let's do this. I think any sort of random way to do it is is the way
0: that I would go about doing it, just just to keep everything fair. But I, I really do agree that I would love to see uh, the Huskers play Michigan. I just want, if we get football games, I want them to be good games. I want them to be fun games, and I want us to play good opponents.
2: You, well, you're going to get, I mean, listen, there's really, yes. the aside from Rutgers, and it's just pile on Jersey Day, aside from Rutgers... Everybody is beatable aside from, from an Ohio State. Okay? Everyone else in the league, home or away, can get stung in the Big Ten. On a given Saturday, you've seen it. And you saw it last year with Wisconsin losing at Illinois. You saw it last year with Minnesota, this kind of upstart, are they for real, drill Penn state yeah, give me give me the best games, give me the marquee matchups, and it's uh, time to let them hang. Pick six previews. Brett Seance, Brett Seance is coming up on Hale Varsity. And we're back.
1: Oh, think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Yes, that's awesome. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Some college football thoughts and news in the air. The Big Ten could be Friday with their schedule announcement, could be the weekend, and I tell you what, an awesome Twitter follow. And a source for college football over the years when it comes to prognostication and prediction is Pick Six Previews. Red Sianza is with us at Pick Six Previews. Is where you follow them. Red, it's awesome to get caught up with you. Thanks for a few minutes.
3: Yeah, Chris, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, hunkered down for six months from December till June, writing my annual season preview book. Uh, and once it hits the shelves, it turns to talking season. So, uh, sixty shows the last four weeks. I'm enjoying every second and uh, happy to be back on another Nebraska affiliate here.
2: Well, appreciate you jumping on with us, and what's it been like for you? Give us a sense uh, of the work that's went in, and now we are going to get college football, we think, as we talk today, but you're seeing a lot of teams shave off a lot of non-con marquee matchups. What's the non-con game you are most anxious to see that went away?
3: Uh, Well, probably uh, Ohio State and Oregon. I mean, I actually had Oregon in my playoff bracket. I had both of them in my playoff bracket. I thought that'd be a top five, top ten matchup, and uh, I feel bad for the student-athletes, the coaches, the students, the fans, the alumni, but also the surrounding community, too. All the local businesses that suffer from this because I know a lot of these campus towns really rely on those seven fall Saturdays, like uh, mini holiday weekends. So just everyone really involved. Obviously, safety first, feasibility first. But I feel for all those people too. And as for the college football preview book, yeah, like I said, six months. I lock in. It's a a, a pretty big mix of film study, spring games, calling head coaches, calling coordinators, you know, calling local radio and uh, media and beat writers. I love digging into the source. All sixty-five teams, all sixty-five Power Five teams. That is. Uh, I try and give a different look than you see from the ones on newsstands. You know, it's a nice balance of the analytic, but also putting it back into readable terms because it's boring to read that Nebraska is 0. .125X and whatever acronym you want to call it, right? It's, what is What are the numbers really telling us? What can we gain from this? And I you know I try and get in all kinds of stuff. Coaching schemes, too. Yeah, it's a passion of mine. And it's, it's been crazy to watch unfold the last month or two with the cancellations and the rescheduling. Uh, you know, just blindsided because they removed some games. They added Notre Dame. It was crazy. So we're taking it day by day.
2: Let's get into the ACC real quick since that's fresh and the the three teams i have circled uh, obviously notre dame clemson and what mac brown's doing in north carolina is is pretty impressive they were oh so close last year to clemson and when i look at, at clemson's schedule their home games I, I don't have all of them but I, the, the ones that I've, I've circled miami and virginia with what Mendenhall's doing at Virginia, I think you know Virginia's getting sneaky good. Those are two home games for Clemson, but uh, Dabo and company, they got to go to Florida State, to Notre Dame, and to Virginia Tech. Do you think this reconfigured schedule will, will phase Clemson at all?
3: Uh, I don't think it will phase Clemson. No, I think it's definitely a more challenging slate for them because historically you know, Atlantic and Coastal Divisions are talking about an eight-game conference slate. Um, so from there, you're, you're adding two additional games in. Uh, they get some tough opponents, too, that they normally wouldn't have faced. Uh, you mentioned Virginia Tech in there. Um, I believe Miami was added. That's another top 20 team that I have in my preview book, top 20. Um, yeah, I think it's still a three-team race, uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, and UNC for those two spots in the title game. And when you break it down, these schedules aren't uh, created equal by any means. Uh, I think UNC really is, uh, is, uh, is the winner here, as out of their ten games, uh, six of them are against the bottom seven of the conference. So six of their games are against that bottom tier of teams. We're talking about uh, teams like QSBC, Duke, you know, Georgia Tech. These are teams that are either rebuilding, going through coaching changes, or just don't stack up on paper. So UNC with a big schedule boost, the two that got hit, if you look at it that way, are uh, Florida State and Miami. Florida State has to face the top five teams in the league. Um, and that's a far cry from what they would have had to face in the old structure. So... Um, you know you're seeing some schedule imbalances but uh, at the end of the day i'd rather have some more exciting matchups like this than nothing so um you know i'm sure the student athletes are are, you know they they love the challenge too so but from a a predictor standpoint yeah it's a a major shift
2: brett sianka is with us sale varsity radio pick six previews at pick six previews on twitter's where you follow him what's your take on notre dame's reconfiguration
3: yeah, Notre Dame, uh, you know, it's crazy. We've been talking about Notre Dame joining a conference for decades now. I mean, it started with the Big Ten. I thought that would be – that used to make the most sense geographically and all their rivalries built in with the Big Ten teams uh, and their in-state teams as well. But uh, now, they've, you know, the ACC has kind of been reeling them in bit by bit. and uh, Now, finally, the first time since uh, Notre Dame started playing ball in the 1880s, they are uh, competing for a conference title. So that in itself is incredible. Uh, when you look at 2020 specifically – you know, I had Notre Dame in the top ten of my preview book. I think that they're um, a very solid, sound team. I mean, uh, I put in there, they remind me of a 1980s Notre Dame team with the big offensive line, a quarterback that really takes care of the ball with Ian Book, uh, and then a nasty front seven. So I think it's an old-fashioned Notre Dame team. It's going to be enough to, to steamroll a lot of the teams on their schedule. But uh, for what it's worth, yeah, they're going to have some challenges. They've got to they face Clemson still. That's still on there. Um, You know, uh, Florida State, that's another historical power, maybe down a little bit this year. Um, But, yeah, Louisville on the the schedule. There's plenty of opportunities for for Notre Dame to prove themselves against the uh, perennial ACC teams.
2: Well, the the danger game, too, is obviously Clemson's not going to be easy in South Bend, but they have to go to North Carolina, and I think that's going to be a juicy matchup.
3: Yeah, North Carolina is a team that's, uh, that I'm really high on. I'm probably the highest uh, out of all the preseason publications. I have them 15th in the country coming in. Um, you know, and there's a couple things that play there. One, uh, last year was a transition year, obviously, and they went 7-6. and six. But when you dig into it, all six of those losses were by a score or less. Uh, my game grader formula loves that because I uh, factor in scoring differential, yardage differential. So those near losses, you tend to see reverse in the next year, especially in a, a second-year coach boost like we're going to see next year. Um, and with UNC specifically, uh, I had a chance to speak with Phil Longo, their offensive coordinator, really impressed by what they've installed on offense. Uh, you get got a second-year quarterback, Sam Howell, who came in as a true freshman and, and excelled. Uh, and he was, Phil Longo was telling me about how they're looking at they're breaking down all 22 NFL tape in the offseason. I know there's no in-person practices, but – uh, you know, the mental game, really, between him and how They're uh, they're very advanced as a young sophomore. So uh, a lot to like from UNC in year two.
2: Max just going to clean up again. You know, he's such a good recruiter. He's back home in Carolina. He had that program at a top-five spot a couple of different times before he took off for Texas. And uh, he's kind of back with a vengeance. And that's, that's another team the ACC needs. And now they may have uh, – from a staying power standpoint, uh, to combat with Clemson until Florida State and Miami get healthy, uh, and then mm-hmm. of course uh, you're, you're borrowing Notre Dame this year, so a better ACC. Brett is with us, and we're talking Pick Six previews. At Pick Six previews on Twitter's, where you follow him, his preview guide is out. Get a hold of that; it's fantastic. So let's switch to Nebraska, Brett. And you know when you when you talk about your your game greater formula let's uh, focus on the big red for a moment on that and what does your data, what does your research indicate overall about the the first couple of years of of Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska?
3: Yeah. um, yeah. So looking at the 2018 season, his first year's debut, uh, a lot of close losses just like I had just mentioned about UNC and the ACC. A lot of close losses where you walk away watching that tape thinking, man, uh, Nebraska should have won that game. They seemed like the better team just some dumb penalties and and, uh, unfortunate turnovers, just flukiness. So what I had forecasted actually after seeing that 18 team, team, uh, you know, that that team was knocked off Ohio State too, if you remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw a team that was going to grow up into 2019. I had the returning uh, starting quarterback, second year coordinator bonuses, um, a favorable schedule. And I actually forecasted Nebraska to win the West last year. Um, You know, it was about a 50-50 call amongst the prognosticators between Nebraska and Iowa. I guess we all missed on Wisconsin, but um, you know, I went with Nebraska. The the numbers pointed that way. Uh, The second year boost, uh, Adrian Martinez really flashed high potential. Now, what happened there? Uh, Yeah, it just didn't progress as much as we thought. It it turned out to be kind of the same Nebraska. A lot of, like I said, fluky plays, fluky turnovers. Um, You know, the kicking game didn't help. A lot of close losses there. Uh, You know, continued to get pushed around in the trenches by the Wisconsins and Iowas and even Minnesota got them pretty bad last year. So um, I think the biggest issue was that I, I had forecasted a bigger boost in the strength and conditioning program in the second year. Uh, that was something that we saw was shied away from under the Riley staff. So I thought that in the second year under Frost, we'd see a, a more powerful line. Now, now for what it's worth, I'm seeing a lot of these videos pop up all over Twitter about the, the Nebraska players in the weight room, and uh, maybe we're going to get that strength and conditioning boost this year. So might have been a year off. Um, with that said, I kind of need to see it to believe it. Uh, last year I had a 40th in the country, uh, at the end of the year, my game grader formula out of 66 power five teams. So about average. And, um, you know, one last note on Nebraska. I mean, I really like their, their offensive line. It's finally veteran for, for frost. Uh, you're talking about three seniors, four returning starters and a six nine giant coming in a uh, top 150 kid Bryce Benhard. So, it uh, looks like the line might shift to a strength finally. Um, and then you want to hope to see Bob uh, Martinez return to his freshman status. I mean, I'm an optimist. I saw great, great high ceilings in 18. So I'm going to hold him to that standard and and, and call 19 kind of a, a mulligan. So I think we got to bounce back from Martinez enough to, to lead an improvement.
2: Brett is with us. Uh, Pick six previews. Hale Varsity Radio. His thoughts on Nebraska. When when we talk Nebraska, stacking up in the West, where they where are they in the pecking order? And and you're right. There's a lot of see it to believe it out there with Nebraska. As much hype as there was a season ago, and you know a lot of us around here, Brett, think that Colorado game so so detrimental to the rest of the season. Uh, Just off on the wrong foot when you had it. It was put away. And then, uh uh-oh, you lose in overtime. Uh, I think that was uh, a little PTSD for the Big Red in some of those close games last season.
3: Yeah, that Colorado game, I remember watching that live. It was 17-0 at one point, I think, at halftime, and really both sides of the ball were, were, were shining through. You had Maurice Washington going down the sideline. It really looked like it was coming together. I, I remember thinking that was a total perfect first half. And then, like a light switch, it just all collapsed in the fourth quarter, um, you know, and in overtime. It, that's the kind of thing. It's like we see this, high, this glimpse of high ceiling from Nebraska playing up to their abilities for a quarter or a half, but so oftentimes they're unable to piece together a full game, and you see it. You saw it against Purdue as well. They built up a lead. They there, blew it in the fourth quarter. You still get some of those old Bo Pellini meltdowns defensively like uh, against Ohio State and Minnesota where they just can't stop the run. You know, I put this in the book too about Wisconsin specifically. Since they split the divisions up in 2014, Nebraska's 0-6 against Wisconsin. And not just that, but Wisconsin's averaging 330 rushing yards per game against them. I mean, that's just sickening numbers. I was actually in Madison during that snow game when Melvin Gordon broke the record. That kind of thing that's got to stop. We, Nebraska's got to fix their defensive line i think is the biggest point of emphasis uh start to you know defend against some of these big 10 power run games because we haven't seen it uh 1 and 11 against iowa and wisconsin like i said 0 and 6 against wisconsin um but even the minnesotas and northwesterns and Purdue's are giving them fits now too so
2: more with brett sianza coming up here pick six previews uh, and uh, brett with sianza is uh, going to spend some more time on nebraska the west the east more big 10 hail varsity continues presented by the nebraska lottery and now and now back to hail varsity radio back with you hail varsity radio more with pick six previews at pick six previews on twitter red sianza we continue chatting nebraska and the west race i
3: want to stress patience to the nebraska fan base you know too often You look across the country at some of these uh, powerhouse programs. They're too quick to to fire a guy and hire and fire and hire. The cycle is detrimental. You see a ton of transfers. You're never able to really install your schemes. Uh, You see it at Tennessee, at Miami, um, at USC to a degree with the hot seat there. So I I would stress patience. I think Frost is definitely the right guy for this job. Give him four, five, six years to truly build it, Um, and I think uh, everyone will be happy with it.
2: When you look at Nebraska and the landscape of the West, uh, we fully expect uh, the West divisional games to get priority, and I'm thinking a September 5th start for Big Ten football. That's not official, obviously, but... If 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 things come to fruition, you'll kick off against Purdue. Purdue's been uh, been good enough against Nebraska the last two years. So when we look at the West race, where where's Nebraska in that race? As you look to twenty twenty.
3: Yeah, I, I currently have Nebraska wedged right in the middle at fourth out of the seven teams in the Big Ten West. I mean, it it starts with Wisconsin until someone really knocks them off. I'm going to keep them at number one. Um, you know, they, they kind of proved that 2018 was a fluke. Last year they got back to their roots as that, you know, big offensive line, power run game, nasty defense. The, the defense is all back. Uh, they got to replace Jonathan Taylor. But, you know, that's still a, a division champ caliber team. I have Minnesota number two. I think they take a, st- a slight step back uh, with a lot of that defense gone and their offensive coordinator gone. And uh, a lot of close wins will start to revert to losses. With Iowa, I put Iowa third. Um, Again, just a very sound program. You know what you're getting from them. Um, Never really an 11- or 12-win team, but never below eight or or nine wins. So, you know, they're sturdy enough. Big offensive line again. Uh, That's the kind of team that gives Nebraska fits recently. So I have them third. Now, I have Nebraska checking in at four, above the pack of Northwestern, Purdue, and uh, Illinois. Now, three, two of those, Northwestern and Purdue, they return a ton of production, just like Nebraska. The, the three of them are actually some of the highest in the country in returning production. That's, uh, you know, veteran, veteran experience from uh, starters, backups, the whole bit. So they are three veteran rosters, but I like Nebraska to stay above the pack. Uh, better recruiting talent, better, you know, all-conference caliber players across the board, um, and they're going to get that third-year boost, hopefully, from Frost. So I have them fourth.
2: Brett Sianz is with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Pick 6 Previews, at Pick 6 Previews on Twitter. Brett, a, a thought here, and, and you do a lot of metrics, and, you know, when it comes to to Nebraska, the, the old Nebraska way was whether it's a three-star or a walk-on or a blue chip like a Broderick Thomas or uh, a, a Grant Wistrom, there was all, it was a melting pot of, of skill, of development, of guys that came in really good and got better or guys that developed into something uh, by their fourth or fifth year after a red shirt and time in the weight room that uh, they were not only contributors, but they could find their way to to, uh, an all-conference list. Where's Nebraska at? They've recruited well on paper. And the, the NFL draft drought, I mean, Nebraska used to have a number of guys going in the draft it's 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 hit or miss i mean maybe you'll get a couple of guys but for the most part you're, you're not seeing first round guys go not since prince Amukamara. you know with, one of your metrics is you look at uh player development that metric and then you mix in recruiting rankings and, and nfl landing spot where's nebraska fall with their development
3: yeah, it's uh, it's funny you bring this up because currently Nebraska is actually dead last in Power 5 in my player development metric. And, um, you know, that's not actually uh, a criticism of Frost because the lead time on this metric, it's a couple of years back. It's looking at um, the recruiting classes from uh, 2013 to 2016 and then looking at how they performed those four years on campus into the NFL drafts of 2017 to 2020. Uh, it sounds like a word, salad, but basically it's looking at You know, how a program recruits, how they're developing on campus, and then the output into the NFL. And, you know, a lot of this, if you look at it for Nebraska specifically, uh, it's top 25, top 20 classes coming in on signing day. But so many transfers out of here. And a lot of that, I mean, that happens when you have a coaching change. That's not uncommon. Um, You know, it's a testament to um, you look at some of the programs that don't go through uh, constant coaching changes. They're able to retain their players because you start to see that development in the second, third, fourth, fifth season's, um, you know, so you're losing out on a lot of those developmental years if you keep cycling out of these, uh, cycling out these commits. So, um, and, yeah, you brought up the walk-on program. That's one of the, the four pillars I talked about in last year's book about Nebraska, uh, some of these old advantages uh, that were built into their successes in the 80s and 90s that have now been uh, neutralized. I mean, you talked about the TV exposure. Back in the day, they were the only game on. I mean, they have one or two games on every Saturday. It was Nebraska every week. Strength and conditioning, again, they were the first ones. Boyd Epley's Husker Power, right? They were the first ones in on this. Um, the walk-on program, they used to have all the Midwestern kids, the rural Nebraska kids come in. You know, you'd have 150 kids at practice. They used to say the practices were harder than the games. So, you look at all these measures, they've all been neutralized. You know, everyone's on TV now. Everyone's got the weight rooms and the state-of-the-art facilities. Uh, and then the walk-on program kind of went away under Callahan, uh, went away a bit more under Riley. So I think that they're bringing that one back. But the other built-in advantages have, have kind of been neutralized over the years.
2: Brett Sianza is with us. Here Varsity Radio, Pick 6 Previews, Talking Nebraska. Real quick thought, Brett, and it's been fun to chat with the East. Is there a, is there a surprise team in the East? I mean, Ohio State and Penn State are going to wrestle – Uh, for that top spot. Where do you have Michigan? And is there someone that could sneak sneak up on on either Michigan or Penn State?
3: Yeah, so I go Ohio State 1, a pretty sizable gap uh, down to Penn State at number 2, Michigan 3, and kind of a surprise team, not to win the thing because I think Ohio State's a lock, but a surprise to, you know, win 8, 9, 10 games could be Indiana. Uh, It's a program that historically has struggled. It's one of the, the lowest win percentages in the country all time. Um, but really, uh, you know, I had a chance to talk with Tom Allen, their head coach. I really like what he's building on defense there. Uh, you guys saw it in Lincoln last year, uh, you know, a, a program that normally Nebraska would beat down pretty easy. Uh, they, they have skill at almost every position. It's, it's quietly a pretty strong roster. Now it's veteran. And, uh, you know, with Michigan State going through a, co- a late coaching change, with Maryland and Rutgers being, you know, towards the bottom of the division, we'll say, I think Indiana has a chance to really move up the ladder uh, into that fourth spot or even higher. Uh, The question will hinge on whether Jim Harbaugh can develop a quarterback. Um, I know he's not going to beat Ohio State. That never happens. But uh, the fact that he hasn't yet developed a quarterback, that was his whole thing. He was the QB guru that turned Andrew Luck, a two-star, into a first overall pick. Hasn't happened here in six seasons. So, no excuses anymore. He's got two hand-picked recruits here with Joe Milton. Um, and McCaffrey there, so he's got to hit on one of these two. Uh, and If that fails, then look for Michigan to maybe tumble even further.
2: Brett, it was fun, man. We'll do this again. Thanks for the time today.
3: For sure, Chris. Yeah, anytime. Thank you.
2: Good to run down the Big Ten, the ACC, and some SEC thoughts. Uh, pick six previews. There he is, Brett Sianza with us on hale City Radio. 15 minutes away, Gary Barnett, the coach, get his uh, take on the week of college football and uh, Brandon Vogel joins us as well as our friend Daddy Burke, the pride of Chicago. Reminder about uh, drinking and driving. One out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed or high, never acceptable. Law enforcement officers going to work around the clock to stop it with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols. Make the correct choice, a non-alcoholic drink or a pre-selected designated driver. Who's Drive at Home? Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We'll have some NBA thoughts from uh, Chuckster. Mr. Barkley on the way.
1: Chime in,
2: 402
1: espn or email the show, Chris,
2: at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Gary Barnett coming up, all things college football, Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity, and then the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke. Burke's best bets from VEASAN out in Vegas, We'll uh, get a regenerated over-under win total on Notre Dame. I wish Bino Cook was still alive. Always, every August, we talked talk to Bino Cook, and I'd figure out some way to ask a Notre Dame question, so he would just say, well, Notre Dame. I mean, he, Bino was great. Bino had some Devaney stories, too. That, not for air, but they were awesome. Okay, so NBA gets rolling tonight. You're going to have the Pelicans. Zion's going to play. I love watching that dude. He's fun. And then you have the Lakers and Clippers. LeBron and Kawhi. Got a dear friend, our, our uh, favorite quarterback, uh, Garth Glissman, working hard in the NBA, man. He has been just going after it, trying to to get things ready, you know, as part of their administration. So I hope he pops some champagne in a socially distant, responsible way this evening. G-Unit uh, deserves it, man. So you're going to have Inside the NBA back rolling with Chuck and Kenny and Ernie and even Shaq. Uh, Shaq was late, though. This was pretty good. If you lose two... Hey, way to show up, big fella! Don't try to sneak in here. He's <laughs> only seven foot three. Oh, come on, <laughs> there he comes, ladies and Why well, you gotta snitch me out? Charles. <laughs> hey, Jack, Charles, you were talking, making very good points. Did you hear? You the talking, you hear the NBA is back. I, I knew that. <laughs> wait,
4: wait, hey, Jack. We know. I, I watched you the other night. Your gear, your gear is actually picked up. Your 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 whole wardrobe. That is not what you want <laughs> no, to wear this tonight. I you know that is not it? what you want. You, you, just you look like with, a sailor who just realized that there was a dinner. Listen, he was like, oh, we got to wear a coat to this yeah, place.
0: Yeah, listen, there was, there was a, a very bad accident on the highway. I hope those people are safe, but that's my excuse. And the was boss backs me up because the boss called me at 3.30. I was in my room chilling. I was on the road. I've been on the road since 3.30, so.
2: So, just to set this for you, since you can't see the video, I hope you check it out on Twitter. Shaq rolls up. Like, Shaq's totally It's He's a junior high kid trying to sneak back in to his bedroom. All right? And he's just 7'3 Shaq rolling in. Just looks like hell. with He threw some sport coat that's probably a blanket for someone on and he has this god-awful striped polo shirt that's, you know, a short sleeve polo shirt that's got stripes everywhere. And Chuck's doing his thing. He's like, oh, welcome to the show, man. And if you know Shaq, Shaq, it wasn't just an accident. Shaq probably stopped to help the people that were involved in the accident knowing Shaq. But they're like, man, you've you've dropped too much coin on kind of stepping up your your on-set wardrobe to to show up looking like this. You know, those guys are good. I I love hearing from Barkley. Quite honestly, they're they're probably more entertaining to me than some of the regular season NBA. And then once it gets postseason, it gets down to it. It'll be fine. But we'll have basketball back. That's awesome. And we're going to have Charles and Shaq and Kenny. And Ernie, back at it. College football, uh, there is a heartbeat. That is good. SEC, ACC, Big Ten schedule hopefully tomorrow. Coach Gary Barnett, next, Tale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thanks for hanging out. Great to be with you. Hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt and Damon Barr. At two R's is where you find Damon on Twitter, at Damon Barr. At Schmidt underscore radio is uh, where you find me on Twitter. It's time to talk to the coach. We welcome in longtime coach at Colorado and Northwestern. And uh, we say hi to Gary Barnett. Coach, how's your Thursday?
5: (laughs) Going just fine, about like all the other Thursdays for the last four months. How about yours, Chris?
2: Well, I, I have not visited the golf course today, so my my Thursday's lacking. How did we shoot today?
5: You know, we, we didn't play poorly. We just putted poorly. I had a chance to win money on the last four holes, and missed pretty easy putts on all four. So I let my partner down, but it uh, ended up breaking even. So it was, it was okay, but not what I thought it would be.
2: Well... Sometimes they're just fast. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, they're not fast. They're slow. That's our problem. Okay. okay. So, well, I wish they were fast.
2: So I got to ask you about your, your automobile history, and it's in reference to Chris Fowler, voice of college football. So he put out on social media that he had to say goodbye to his 23. It's like he's talking about a, a dog or a family. He had to say goodbye to his 23-year-old Explorer today. <laughs> so he's, had, he's got a 97 Explorer that's still running, and, and he had to say goodbye. Is there a car, Coach, that you've been elated to get rid of, or you were extremely sad to say goodbye to?
5: Oh, yeah, Chris, I've had 30 cars, man. 30? At least 30 cars. And, um, you know, I I had two Corvairs, and I was really glad to get rid of both those Corvairs. <laughs> um, one of them I hadn't changed the oil on in two years, <laughs> so I, I had no idea. I just got rid of the thing. The one, you know, I've had a couple, I've had a, you know, I, these car things, they, they, they um, you know, I've got a history, a bad history, and, you know, I, I had a nice Firebird and traded in on an LTD, and an LTD I traded in on a Pinto, I had an MG that I traded in for a Subaru, I had a Porsche that I traded in on a Corvette, and a Corvette I traded in on an Audi A6. Hmm. Then, I had another Porsche and traded in on a Q5, uh, I've... <laughs> I've had a camper. I wasn't too sad to get rid of the camper, but the one that probably hurt the most was I had an Audi A7, black, fast, and I traded it in on a Q7 for its practicality. Um, That one has hurt more than any of them, I think.
2: You sound like my father with the the amount of of, of cars you've been through. He was. Uh,
5: oh yeah, I've. He was. I've a, had an Opel, two Corvairs, a Le Mans, two Mustangs, Mini Cooper. I've had three different Buick Enclaves, four different Buick Enclaves. I've had a, a GMC big car. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had a Blazer. I've had a cow, I've had Cadillac. You know, uh, I've had a, I have not had a Cadillac. Okay. No, I have not had a Cadillac. The, uh, I had a '63 Chevy convertible. Mm. Um, I had, you know, I, I just you know, it's just every two years I just sort of trade them off. So
2: was it difficult to to pull the trigger on the Porsche? There is no substitute.
5: Um, you know, the first one it wasn't difficult to get rid of the Porsche to get the Corvette. I bet not. It was difficult to get rid of the second Porsche to get a Q5. That one, I don't even know why I did that. I, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain now to figure out, because I came home and <laughs> Mary said, what did you do? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. I just needed something more practical for a while.
2: What about the Mini so, Cooper? Did you like that, or was that just... We still a- have the
5: Mini Cooper, yeah. Okay, we, okay. Yeah, we like the Mini Cooper. I like the Mustangs a lot.
2: Yeah, those are good.
5: Yeah, they've been cool cars. But the Audi A7, that, that, that's a great car. Wow. Now, now I got rid of the Q7 and got a, got a Tesla X. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's that is a great car.
2: That's awesome. Gary Barnett, all right, it's not a 97 Explorer, but you've answered the no. question, my man. It's uh, it's pretty good. So I want to switch to some scheduling thoughts here, and what's your reaction to the week we've had with the ACC saying 10-game only and now the SEC today going to do only a 10-game conference schedule only? That's going to get rid of a lot of in-state rivalry games
5: yeah it sure is. And um, I I just getting especially in the SEC, those, those games you just got rid of, um, you know, that's a, been a part of football for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure that we wouldn't just soon uh, wait till next year and resume them all, but, uh, and I'm not sure that that's not the message that's coming through. But I actually feel, I've been saying all along for the last two weeks that we had about a 20% chance of playing. I actually think it's about 30% chance now. It's gone up a little bit in my mind. And I'm not sure why, except that everybody's, you know, everybody wants it so badly and the schedules are being made. And, you know, Notre Dame jumping in with the ACC schedule, it's, uh, you know, is this... Is this something that's going to be permanent? They all say no, but it's probably something that's needed. You know, BYU and uh, the other independents all of a sudden now are – they're really hurting, and their rivalry games are taken away. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, I just – i think I think that we're getting closer to maybe having a chance, but I still think it's 30% chance.
2: Well, that's up from about three weeks ago. So I'm going to yeah. call you every couple of weeks, and we're going to get up to 50, and then we're going to get up to 75, and we'll you have know, a, we'll nobody's going to be happier
5: than me if they, if they kick it off and play a game. Uh, but then we've got to be ready for everything that comes with yeah. it. I mean, you, you know, the fluidity of this whole situation means that the season's going to be that way, too, and none of it's going to be predictable.
2: Gary Barnett's with us on Hale Varsity Radio, talking college football schedule. So, how? Let me ask you this: The SEC is going to wait till the twenty sixth of, of September to kick things off. They want to see and deal with uh, a potential spike in cases once college kids get back to campus. Coach, how would you deal with being a head coach now? uh with your student athletes kids are kind of in a bubble now that's great but you're going to have student athlete and regular student interaction potentially what would your message be to your your ball players uh once kids get back on campus
5: you know chris it's a really it's a really tough situation uh, because athletes you, you know the, uh, athletes for one thing they um they, they want to be like everybody else mm-hmm. i mean they're uh, they're special, and they get treated special in, in a lot of ways that they ended up taking for granted. But it, it, they also just want to be like all the other college kids. You know, there's so many restrictions on them and things they have to do that they, they see all their friends doing whatever they want, whenever they want. Uh, and, they you know, when you're that age, you, you want to be like them. You want to do that. And, and on the other side, those those kids are going. I wish I was an athlete, et cetera. Sure. But it's so you're always looking on the other side, and and I think it's so hard for colleges. Much harder for colleges than it is for the professional sports. Um, you can control the professional sports somewhat, even though you know the, the same sort of thing happens. Is they want to be regular too, and so. You know, when the kids come back, I don't know that there's any chance that you're going to be able to isolate your players. I don't think there's – the other thing that really happens, it's always more important to the coaches and the people who who work and support those programs than it is to the players. Mm -hmm. And and so the players are – they want to be a college kid. They want to be 19 and 20 years old and all the things that come with it. Um, college, the coaches and the people that work with them and for them want them to be 25 year old men and women. And it, it, you know, it just doesn't work, Chris. It's just, it's not real. And so there'll be some, you'll have some teams that are more mature than others, and they'll be the ones that will win the games. Uh, and that's sort of the way it is anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's a difficult time. I swear, I, I, uh, I don't envy any of those coaches that are going through it. Uh, if I were in and I'd certainly find a way to do it. But I don't envy what they're going through.
2: A few minutes here. Gary Barnett with us. Talking College Football 2020. Hail Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, a thought with uh, the Big Ten schedule is they'll do a 10-game schedule. How would you pick that 10th game?
5: Well, I think they're going to pick them for them, aren't they?
2: Right, but I'm saying, um, if if you had input on it, would you draw a name out of a hat? Would it be vicinity? Would you want to call your shot? I think it would it have your to be
5: vicinity or, or uh, 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 historical rivalry. Okay. Um, you know that that maybe you weren't going to get to play this year, uh, but you know, I, I think in the end. Um, shoot, I don't know how they're going to pick it for sure, but um, you know, I would think vicinity probably ends up playing more of a role than anything because everybody wants to do less travel, and you know, we may it may go back. In in the '90s, when I was in the Big Ten and money was tight, we were anything under 200 miles, we were driving in a bus. And um, I wouldn't doubt to see the same sort of things come back, and may have already, and I didn't know about them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, by playing closer teams, um, you, save, you, you save a little bit of the risk. You eliminate a little bit of the risk.
2: So do you have a bus story for us?
5: <laughs> well, we used to go to Iowa, and Iowa was a bus, was a bus over trip, but if it was – I think the rule was if it was under 200, you had to bus. But if it was over 175, you could bus one way and fly home the other. So wow. we would bus over to Iowa. And then I, I'll give you a bus trip from Fort Lewis College going to play West Western State, going over Red Mountain Pass and all these other passes in late October and not having any idea if you're going to make it. I mean, really, you have no idea if you're even going to get there. So, yeah, there's some great bus trips. Everybody's been on those. But in Iowa, we would bus over and then fly home. And uh, we would bus to Purdue. We would bus to Illinois. Um, where else did we bus to? I think we flew to Michigan because it was just over 200, okay. 200 miles. But, um, and you know what? It wasn't all that bad. It really wasn't the tough part. Is flying back home afterwards when the kids are all banged up.
2: Did you play cards on the way there, or were you studying, or did you just chill?
5: I think we chilled. We had movies for the guys on the buses, and they did a good job. I mean, mean, the the kids were great with it. They did not mind for a minute getting on the bus, and you know they'd had movies on their on their phone. Well, I don't even know we had phones then, but uh, we had a movie up in the. Uh, and, and we'd let the kids pick the movies, and it was fun. It really was not a big deal, and it saved a bunch of money. So,
2: What do you think Saban's thinking right now if, if his crossovers end up being Georgia, Florida, along with the rest of the SEC West?
5: He's thinking there's a conspiracy. <laughs> I, I'll guarantee you he's thinking they're out to get him. Get him retirement? And he'll have something to say about it for sure.
2: That's funny. That's absolutely funny. So I got, a, I got a favor to ask. If for some reason, I got about a minute and a half here, if for some reason some teams have to drop out of the Pac-12 and some teams have to drop out of the Big Ten and can't play, can you make Colorado and Nebraska impromptu happen for a third year in a row?
5: You know, that's a, that would be a possibility. And I think that everybody – this thing is so fluid and everybody is just adjusting on the run that that could actually happen because it looks like to me, at least in the PAC 12, and I don't know that much about the big 10, but I don't think the California schools and I don't think the Arizona schools are going to at least play early. And even, even if I'm not even sure they'll play late. So that sort of thing could be happening. And it certainly would be a regional matchup. And, uh, would get everybody's attention we i mean nobody's had more fun you know because colorado won both games but <laughs> then the, the fans of both those two teams getting together and playing again so
2: well there's no site like a tailgate party you're getting ready for a post-game show and what was a 20-point lead was an overtime loss and the 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 kegs are dry that was out of joy and then it was out of, of out of sorrow i mean <laughs> a nebraska tailgate party that i was we were doing our shows from was i mean it was you could cut it with a knife it was so tense because of of the overtime last year
5: and, and the fourth Chris, quarter We can only pray that we get back to where we have those kinds of parties again and that kind of energy Outside of a stadium.
2: Yeah, you are absolutely right with that. That's that's absolutely right. Coach, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for a few minutes today. It was fun to get caught up.
5: Great talking to you, Chris. All
2: right. Bye-bye. There he is. Gary Barnett with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Good thoughts there, and he's going to work on that Colorado-Nebraska impromptu. And he had to get the, uh, the old, well, you know, Colorado's won two in a row. <sighs> yeah. Barney's awesome, man. That was fun. You're going over mountain passes. Guys had 30 automobiles. Porsches to Audis to Minis to Lincolns. Hasn't had a Cadillac. He's a vet guy as well. Brandon Vogel. Can't wait to talk to Vogues. HailVarsity.com and Magazine. He's next.
1: He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale City Radio. I got the body of a taught preteen Swedish boy.
2: Thanks for spending time. Good stuff from Gary Barnett. And we welcome in with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, Brandon Vogel, managing editor, author, dreamlike, a champion. Mogues, what do you know? How's your Thursday?
4: Oh, going pretty well.
2: How are you? I'm all right. Uh, Coach Barnett said, you know what, Saban might say there's a conspiracy against me if if I get Georgia and Florida as my plus-two games. He's already got Georgia on the schedule. And uh, what's your reaction? Uh, you know SEC country well. Are you surprised they've gone to the 10-game game and do you think the ACC stuck it to them by making the, the SEC decide <laughs> not to, not to do the in-state crossovers?
4: <laughs> yeah, that was a, an interesting, an interesting uh, one-two there, and I, I, I don't think they're totally unrelated. I guess the Big Twelve is still out there as a potential uh, as a potential dance partner if, if the SEC wanted to avoid uh, too much beating up on itself within its own conference, but that was about the only option left. So, I don't know, a 10-game ten, a ten SEC schedule gets, gets pretty interesting when you look at, you know, at East Division, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, all should be pretty good. Uh, and then, of course, in the West, you got Alabama, Auburn, a and LSU. Like, there's, just, there's, there's no easy draw, kind of, no matter what, what division you're in. You're going to end up pulling somebody pretty good from the other division but there's going to be a lot of uh well I mean I think the conference office will decide but a lot of a lot of jockeying and, and interest in in just what those draws look like with adding those extra conference games
2: Vogues, let's shift it back to the Big 10 tomorrow maybe this weekend you get an announcement and uh we're we're all hopeful for that uh if we get that 10th game we've talked Indiana before but how do you think the Big Ten will, will figure out that 10th edition? Will it be, be a draft? Will they draw it out of a hat? Will it be vicinity? How would you do it?
4: Yeah, I guess it all it all depends on if they're keeping the games that are currently on the schedule. Um, and if, if they do that, so if, if Nebraska is still playing at Rutgers, for example, I think you just kind of – Pencil it out with, with logistically what works with, with the weeks. Um, and, you know, you could still move everything up or back if you wanted. And, and that kind of gets you to, okay, there's only like one or two teams that might work for each, for each school. Uh, if they redraw the entire thing, um, obviously you play your division games, but those, those four crossover games are totally up for grabs. And then I think you put an emphasis on proximity. Uh, just to reduce travel, you know, if if teams are going to play, if teams are going to travel to play, that becomes kind of all right. You know, are we are, are we checking checking a box that's relatively small in the grand scheme of things? And probably, but if you have the ability to check that box and just to reduce the sheer amount of time teams are on the road, might as well go ahead and do it. So I could see I could see sort of a regional focus uh if they're willing to to redraw those crossover games.
2: How does uh how does Michigan come to Lincoln grab you?
4: Good. Um it'd be uh be a lot more interesting I think than the the last time Nebraska faced Michigan. Um <laughs> That Michigan, was
2: That you was know, horrible. <laughs> you, you were there for that, weren't you?
4: <laughs> yeah, I was and uh <laughs> yeah, you had um yeah, you had a didn't Stanley Morgan score a long touchdown early in that game, and it was kind of like, all right, um, there's something, and then that was literally it. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was, it was over quickly, and that's that's never fun, uh, never fun for anyone involved, players, media, fans, whatsoever, because you're just sitting there uh, waiting for the, the the remaining 45 minutes to to run out on the clock because the the outcome has already been determined, but. Yeah, that would that would be a fun one. Um, I think the, it'd be an interesting measuring stick because you know Michigan, sure, we're, we're everyone's waiting for them to get over the hump and to kind of can you be better than Ohio State? Can you be better than Penn State? But um, they, they they haven't ever fallen very far. It's just they're sitting right there, perched kind of near the top of the hill, and everyone's waiting for them to get over it. And Nebraska's trying to catch up to that, so. That would be a pretty interesting one.
2: Are you surprised that that Harbaugh's not had a hit at quarterback?
4: Yes and no. So this will be the first year that they'll have the opportunity to have a guy who's basically come through the system in terms of they recruited him. Um, they've coached him the entire time. You know, they, they went with Jake Rudock early on, and they've had transfers. Uh, they had guys that they inherited with Brandon Peters, who you know is going to be the starter at Illinois, presumably. So it's it, it's kind of it, it'll be an interesting test of Jim Harbaugh, former quarterback himself, himself, and his coaching staff's ability to get a guy ready. Because I think there's things to like about about both of those guys in contention, but we we just haven't seen it. And th- there were moments last year where where Shea Patterson uh, looked like he was a guy who. He, he was better in year two than he was in year one. And he wasn't bad either year. It's just with all the talent they have, uh, if they can get a quarterback, who can do, you know, just enough, much less a difference maker, if they get, you know, a a real weapon back there, they could be in trouble. They could be trouble for some teams and and finally get over that hump that we were talking about. But they just, they've had caretakers there. And I don't mean in terms of talent. I mean, it's just with the way the rest of the team fit together. there were guys who kind of like, okay, good enough to keep us in contention for, for what we want to get to uh, in terms of conference titles, but not good enough to get you over the hump on their own. And, and do they have that guy now? I don't know. But these are the guys that they chose to to be in that spot. So it makes this one a little bit more intriguing in that regard.
2: Think about that, too. I mean, Michigan always kind of jumped at the more experienced option, be it a Rudock or a Shea Patterson, because why wouldn't you take a kid who beat Alabama as a redshirt freshman, right? I mean, meanwhile, you've got McCaffrey there and, and the other kid that he's had a, he's recruited a high profile, high level quarterbacks and about the only kid to, to stick with him has, has been McCaffrey, right? We're talking, is McCaffrey, even a senior, or is Dylan, just a redshirt junior. I, I forget, but the point is, is that guy's a redshirt
4: part, junior.
2: That's right. So. He stuck and he stayed, which is abnormal in college football. And everyone kind of goes back to this, oh, who's this, this Oliver Lux kid, right? Well, Andrew Luck was awesome. Stanford had a great line. They had phenomenal tight ends. They were beasts on the, on the line of scrimmage. They were awesome. But was there some fool's gold there because of, of how good Luck was? Or do you think, all right, I give a lot of that credit to Harbaugh, to, to making Luck what he was, and that was supposed to automatically just happen in, in Ann Arbor.
4: Yeah, I think I think you have to share credit with with what that with, what Andrew Luck was able to do at Stanford, um, obviously, and then you see him go on to the NFL and, and do what he did there. Uh, really talented player, um, and, and kind of the he's kind of the difference maker at quarterback that they haven't had yet at Michigan. And, and Harbaugh deserves a ton of credit for kind of elevating recruiting. At all those other spots, I mean, I still think about that upset of USC uh, a lot. Just how <laughs> how shocking how shocking that was, and what a you know sort of notice to everyone that hey, we're playing some pretty good football here, and uh, here's your chance to notice because we just won this game as a thirty five point underdog or or whatever it was. And it's tough to do that with without sort of the the decision maker uh, type that that Andrew Locke was. If Michigan finds that guy, if McCaffrey or Milton can, can be that guy, um, they're kind of sitting in a good spot because everyone, myself included, and I mean this is how you have to look at it, looks at the Big Ten, particularly East, and they're like, oh, it's Ohio State. Maybe Penn State uh, has a chance to jump up there. <laughs> Penn State is super talented. Uh, chance to jump up there and challenge the Buckeyes. And then, oh, Michigan's just going to be Michigan over there. They're going to you know, win nine, ten games. Uh, probably lose to Ohio State in the last one. And they'll be fine. They'll go to a Florida bowl game and and get pasted by somebody, (laughs) get a quarterback who's been better than, than what they've had. And and maybe they're not that. And they can be a little bit overlooked, even though they've won nine ten games every year.
2: Let's talk Nebraska and uh, about three minutes here. Brandon Vogel, managing editor Hale Varsity with this. what did you take from coach Lubick's chat with the network this week? Uh, What's your what's your read from him on the wideouts?
4: Yeah, uh, so that's one of those positions that yeah uh, you know, the depth wasn't where they wanted it to be when they showed up, and it's it's still a work in progress. Uh, you know, uh, losing J D Spielman just for the experience alone, much less the, the kind of player he has, is a you know. it it hurts in that column. And I understand that there's, you know, some, some murmurings that, "Eh, maybe this was a little bit mutual and that's fine. It can be that too. Um, It's just, it's still a work in progress. And and there's some young guys coming in that I think help with that, but they're still young guys. It's hard to know what you're going to get out of a Manning or a Betts, um, even though that the prognosis is that they're going to be really good. And not only are they going to be really good, but, they kind of fill a need, or they they fill a role. And Nebraska's had a hard time filling to this point, so so that's good, but it's it's still a work in progress. Lubick is, is you know very kind of thoughtful and cerebral, um, so so I'm interested in. I think he can take Nebraska's technique um, wherever they were at through these first two seasons with this this current staff and elevate that, and that might that might help everything. And then you also have the the tight ends kind of. In this in this discussion, where Nebraska is a little bit deeper, that get really intriguing as well. Um, I think you mentioned uh, Hickman playing a little bit in the slot, which is which is pretty shocking but intriguing. Uh, when you think about okay, so that's like the Wandale Robinson, uh, J.D. Spielman before that spot. All of a sudden, you're putting a, a kid in there who's you know six six, long, and reportedly one of the best blockers they have out on the perimeter. You can get pretty get some pretty interesting mismatches and do some interesting things offensively if that's truly something they're looking at. So, that, so that was an intriguing piece.
2: So, you're telling me the horizontal pass could be a good thing this year?
4: <laughs> could be if you can get it blocked um, and get the timing right for that. Uh, you know, it, you're probably not throwing that pass to Hickman. Although, who knows? I mean, that's part of the reason of. Of having a guy, you know, it's just interesting. Anytime you hear a guy mentioned like that, you're like what? You're like, what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him there. <laughs> so it makes you wonder. Okay, what are the what are the coaches seeing that say like, oh no, we can put him there, and here's all the things we can do from it because everyone else is thinking, why is that guy there? Clearly, they're going to run it, and he's just going to kind of crack down on the in man on the line of scrimmage, but. That's that's the point. Is if that's what they're thinking, then you can yeah, you can do that. um, But then you can do some other things. Mm. Presumably, if you think you can take a look at them
2: there. Vogues we'll uh, chat some more on Saturday. But thanks for jumping in. Fun to catch up as always, man. Good. Take care. All right, Brandon Vogel with us from Hale Varsity. Danny Burke's on the way. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thanks to Brandon Vogel and Gary Barnett. With us. we say hi to the pride of Chicago, with Veasan Sports Network, Sirius XM two hundred four. With Danny Burke, time at Danny Burke five on Twitter. Mister Danny, how are you?
0: Pretty, really I'm good, man. Uh... I'm excited. We're getting NBA underway just about now, and uh, we got action on the ice coming back this weekend. So we got it all coming back for the most part, uh, majority of it. So a lot of action coming
5: our way.
2: No, it is awesome to have uh, baseball back. Assuming no one, you know, says, "Hey, let's play ball with a with a temperature uh, any longer." Uh, that was a little disconcerting, but the uh, Astros, Dodgers melee made up for my disappointment in thermometers earlier this week get the NBA tonight, so how you feeling? Are you just, are you going to explode? Is it volcano time? I mean, you, you, you get to bet some live NBA tonight. Oh man,
0: how about it? I mean, look, honestly as crazy as it seems, I did not make a bet on these NBA games yet, but like you said, there's always the opportunity for in-game, because the <laughs> NBA is one of the hardest sports to handicap before the game, and there's a lot of good in-game opportunities in the NBA as opposed to many other sports. There's a great opportunities in all the other ones, but like I think the advantage when it comes to betting NBA overall is during the in-game. And even if I am going to do something pre-flop before the game, it'll be after I kind of get a little bit of a grasp of how this environment's going to be. I mean, I know we saw the exhibitions and everything, but now with everybody ramped up and ready to go, I'm I'm just kind of curious how that's going to play out. But the one that I'm excited for mostly is going to be hockey because I was having a lot of fun betting hockey this season. had some good success, so. I'm ready for uh, hockey to get back going, too. I mean, they're going straight to the postseason, so that'll be a lot
2: of fun. You know what? And, and Shocking, right? The NHL did it right with Hub Cities. Shocking. The NBA put a bubble down in Mickey and Minnie land, and then there's MLB that didn't want to do a bubble. Uh, we'll see how mm-hmm. bubble life can exist, if at all, in college football. We'll see if the NFL shifts to that. I want to get your take here. You've had everyone jump off the old Patriot boat. Uh, a lot of folks are, are opting out with New England. Their mm-hmm. win total was nine and a half going in. How big a hit has, is, has that taken? Is there something that's been recalibrated with the Patriots in, in a win total?
0: You know, it's actually funny you bring that up because we were talking about this yesterday. I believe, and we were kind of baffled because there wasn't an adjustment, at least at one of the books, bet MGM from their win total at about nine and a half, like you said. So we were kind of blown away a little bit by it. We thought at least, or I guess me personally, I think if anything, I'd maybe see it drop down a half to mm-hmm. to nine. And you know, the host that I'm with, he thought it would maybe go around eight and a half. And, you know, we had Michael Lombardi on who is a former NFL GM and good friends with Bill Belichick, worked with him and very close to the Patriots staff and he isn't surprised at all that it didn't move down because if you think about it, I mean, you still got Bill Belichick at the helm, a guy who can deal with adversity like no one else. Uh, you bring in Cam Newton, who looks like he's ready to just come back to his norm of his MVP days. just I don't want to go too crazy over his workout videos, but everybody's anticipating a lot from Cam under the scheme of Belichick. So you lose Hightower, you lose Chung, two big pieces for sure. Uh, same with the linebacker uh, core as well. So, me personally, I I do think that's going to be an issue for this Patriots team that was already sliding a little bit despite Cam coming into the mix. Um, Here's the thing, though. The division is pretty open for them. Now, I definitely lean toward the Bills, as a lot of people did before Cam Newton came into the mix. The Dolphins are sure to be competitive this season with a lot of acquisitions they had. Not sure if they're actually going to... Know posted well with the record, but I think them and the lines are going to stay in boat in the sense where they're going to be a tough out no matter what. It's not going to show up on the record, but they're going to be a tough opponent regardless. Um, The Jets are the Jets. Who knows what to expect for them? Jamal Adams is out of the mix now, but they got a great deal on the return, but that's not going to come to fruition for the next couple years. So look, I, I think it's relatively going to be an easier division. So I'm not. That's surprising. I guess, when you look at it in that terms that it didn't move. But I, I would have thought just from the attention where the money's going to go, you thought it would have shifted in that regard, Schmitty. Uh I'm not betting it one way or the other as of this point. I, I'm kind of just staying away from New England as of now.
2: Danny Burke's with us, the pride of Chicago. Burke's best bets. Catch him on Visa uh, Network, and that's Sirius XM 204 Danny's doing awesome work out in the desert. What's Shady McCoy do for you? And Tampa. He got picked up here today. You've got the receiving core that Tom's get getting to throw to. The the Gronky Kong's gonna be there along with Howard, Levante and Sue, uh BA and his sweet Kanglo hat. So the the run game is is kind of always been the question mark with Tampa. I know Doug Martin's had decent years, mm-hmm. but do you think McCoy fits in? Does that bolster an already Great offense. I mean, because McCoy's been nice in space, uh, getting the football out of the backfield.
5: Yeah, for
0: sure. I mean, like you said, the run game has somewhat been an issue. You saw Ronald Jones last season actually start to pick it up, which was big, but you didn't really have anybody to assist him, and that was the issue until you just pointed out McCoy going to be in the mix now. A guy who naturally is a little bit over the hill as of this point, and some excitement with him going to KC as of recent, but didn't really have the same flashiness and highlights that we've seen in years past. I I do think he'll be a nice addition to Tampa because of that reason that they don't really have that much of a backfield behind Jones, whereas in Kansas City, they had a pretty heavy backfield and rotated through these players a lot. So if McCoy's getting consistent action, consistent handoff, dump-offs, whatever it's going to be, I think he could certainly make an impact. I think his veteran presence with the veteran presence of Tom Brady under Bruce Arians. They could make some good schemes that will uh, bode well for them. Now, we spoke about divisions, and this is certainly going to be a tough one in the NFC South, uh, kind of excluding the Panthers in that conversation. Because I think, when well, you talk about tricky teams, pretty, I, I kind of look at the Atlanta Falcons, and I don't know what to make of them, but I'm definitely not looking to fade them as an out, to be honest. I mean, well, you still have a lot of key pieces there that have that potential to return to what we saw in 2016. Dan Quinn is supposed to have the defensive mindset, which has just been non-existent. But at some point, you gotta think these guys are gonna get it to click together. And even if they don't, could be another team. We're very competitive. Doesn't show up on the record book, but a scary team to cross paths
2: with. Who are you riding for MLB so far through a week?
0: Oh man, I mean, how about like Cubs? I mean, I'm kind of surprised. You got, your, you got your you got your Hendricks barring.
2: jersey on now. I know you do. <laughs>
0: Well, no, it's funny because everybody was like, oh, you know, Hendrick Cy Young, the professor, back in action after opening day. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. And I was a little bearish on him going into opening day. But then he did great. And then after, my host asked me, he's like, oh, I'm going to bet him. You know, what do you think? I was like, well, it depends what kind of Hendricks you get because he gets flashes <laughs> where he shows that he's the professor. But then the next time, he'll do what he did yesterday where he can't locate and everybody's teeing off on him. But, look, this is what happens when you implement a consistent offense. You get consistent runs. So, thank goodness for David Ross. Um, you saw Joe Madden mismanaging the bullpen with the Angels, so have fun with that, Angels fan. Um, but really, look, I, I think you're seeing with some of these teams early on, the Reds, the White Sox, who had a lot of steam in the offseason. Get off the slow starts. Just remember that it takes a while for some of these teams to get adjusted. So um, it's going to be fun tonight. Personally, really quick, uh, my one play was the Twins. I think it's going to be a great pitching matchup. Loving the Twins offense. Uh, so hopefully we get a win out of Minnesota.
2: Danny, 15 seconds. Yetney, golf advice?
0: Uh, betting wise, I'm staying away. Um, okay. <laughs> staying away this weekend. On the course wise, uh, drink, drink more vodka can. Can so you don't. Yes, yeah, yeah, Don't let it get in your head, just so you can come <laughs> out and uh, not think as much.
2: There he is. He'll uh, report to us from a swim up bar next week. The pride of Chicago is Danny Burke. Burke's best bets every Thursday, and you listen to him on Veasan, uh, Great Sports uh, Radio, Sirius XM two hundred four. Brad of Chicago, you be good, man. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll talk soon. All
0: right, you as well, Schmitty. Have a good one.
2: Take care. There he is. It's like, my Cubs. Uh, good for him. Cubs have been fun to watch. We'll wind down to Thursday with Hale Varsity.
1: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. <laughs> we in for the real thing. <laughs> We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hail the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up partner. Back to hail varsity radio.
2: One final time. Check the podcast out for sure. Gary Barnett was fantastic. Our friends from pick six previews, Brett Sianza, incredible Brandon Vogel, big time Danny Burke from Vegas. We, Say hi to Deb, the spa lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, your friend Patrick uh, bought into the Royals. What do you think about I saw, that?
6: I saw that. Oh, I'm glad. Good for him. At least that's somewhere smart, I think, to spend his money. Well, if he's not going to buy a swim spa, then he's well, buying the Royals.
2: Well, I'm, I'm saying this. The Royals need... A swim spa out by the fountains, don't they? Oh, that
6: that's a great idea. The Patrick Every Mahomes swim
2: spa with Deb the Spa Lady.
6: Oh, that would be great. Yeah, oh my gosh. Just the thought of that. We, uh, we've we done a lot of different promotions. We did some things with the Lincoln Stars. Mm-hmm. We did some things with the indoor football mm-hmm. team. Uh, had spas at different you know, events like that. So, yeah, that's always something to think about. I might just have to drop a little note. You never know who might see that and I, make it happen. Well, so, Deb,
2: I'm, you have more and more places that put a hot tub in either the outfield or the end zone. I'm thinking, why not buy the fountains down in KC?
6: I like it. I really do. And if maybe one of those uh, home run balls, Flashes in you know you get something everybody gets something you know not not like oprah you get a car you get a car <laughs> car but something maybe smaller I've, so yeah it's a thought i need to i need to start working on that I that think would if, be a
2: great idea if gordo, gordo hits one you get to spend yes. spend the game in the spa with the spa lady
6: There you go. That is exactly the connection I need. So I'll I'll start working on that
2: one. Well, folks are starting to work on, you know, kind of filling out that backyard with Mm -hmm. uh, spa selection. And you have a swim spa, you have a two-seater, you have a seven-seater. I mean, it's all there for folks to come check out, isn't it?
6: Yes, and we really do have them in stock. We're not just saying, come in, pick out a spa, we'll deliver it in uh, November, we'll deliver it in December. No, we'll deliver it next week. So we've got inventory. It's so great to see an inventory list again where, you know, you can pick you know, the models you want, and we'll get them delivered right away. So things are really looking up for us and our manufacturers so we can make it happen. You don't have to wait for months to get a hot tub. We'll get it there.
2: Deb, when can folks come see you uh, down at 20th and Highway 2 off Industrial Road in Omaha or in Lincoln, of course? Or what? What's the, the setup like for folks to come pick that spa out? They can come anytime.
6: time. Uh, we're open uh, 10 to 6, Monday through Friday. 10 to 4 on Saturday. You can uh, email us or get us, give a holler to us on the phone, and we'll make special arrangements for different times at work just for you. So we'll make it happen.
2: Deb, awesome, awesome. We'll uh, see you soon, and thanks for jumping on with us today. Okay,
6: Chris, thank you. Bye
2: bye. That'd be the way to do it. Pour a boulevard, hang out in the spa with Deb, the spa lady. Turn the temperature down to about 75. Watch some baseball. You get a swim spa, you're absolutely socially distant. You're going to want to hear today. Great stuff from Pick 6 Previews. Coach Barnett, Brandon Vogel, Danny Burke. Big thanks to Damon Barr. Chris Schmidt back at you tomorrow with Hale Varsity.